0: Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through safer and smarter movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Today is Wednesday Q&A. You ask the questions and we answer. I have my fearless co-pilot here with me, Kristen Williams. Woo! Hey, everybody. everybody. Thanks, Laura. <laughs> yes, so good to always have you here. So starting right away, K at Inca dealing with lots of back pain, what, how, what should I do to get rid of it? Okay, that's a, that's a big one. Dealing with lots of low back pain. I mean, well, honestly, we would immediately say like, we have to look at you. We have to look at your posture. We have to look at how you move. It's really, really hard to generalize and give you advice. Um, but maybe we can speak to a few things that contribute to low back pain that you might be experiencing. So, you want to start with that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I can just give you kind of the traditional what I tend to see in a lot of people uh, who come to me with back pain, and they're going to have um, limited hip mobility usually. So, I would take a look at your mobility, you know, mobility of your hips, limited thoracic mobility. So, you know, so doing stuff to open up your hips to strengthen your hips because maybe you're putting too much strain into your low back um, to mobilize your upper back because it might be stiff. So then you're doing all the movement from your lower back. You know, those, these are kind of common threads, tight hamstrings, weak abdominals, uh, poor posture, tilted anteriorly, tilted posteriorly. But again, this is something that my first thought would be have somebody look at you, like you said. Um, but in general, Thoracic mobility, hip mobility, uh, hip and core strength. What do you think? I would say that. And just to be clear, if you haven't
0: heard us before, core strength is, yes, it's your abdominal wall, but it's your glutes. So low back pain is very common when people have snoozy glutes. And that has to do with just faulty wiring. Think of it like that. Like if you're not in a good postural position, you your body adapts to that position. It also adapts to the way you know you're going to so you're set up to fire. So if your glutes are not in a in an optimal position of fire, something else will take over, and it's often your low back. And then you're using your low back. Those muscles are not nearly they're way smaller than the glutes. Um, and if your abdominal wall in front is not strong either, then There's no kind of counter support to all that. And that can really put pressure and compression into the low back. So that's what we mean by core. It's everything. Think of from the bottom of your pelvis really to, you know, the rib cage and up even more because the scapula and scapula muscles are all part of it. But in particular for the low back, think about like bottom of rib cage to bottom of pelvis. That area really needs to be balanced and strong. Yeah. All right. Next question. Also a kind of painful question. True. Trug and moon. I'm stiff when I wake up. Should I do yoga straight away or wait an hour to warm up, loosen up? I would. Yeah, you go ahead. You know, I'm going to say everything depends. Like, I, you know, for me, I'm stiff when I wake up too. stiffer than I am an hour later. Almost everybody is. I personally do I'm a slow mover in the morning. Like I do not pop out of bed, hustle bustle around. I like to drink my coffee. I just like sit and look out my window. I'm like a real slow mover in the morning. And I just know that's my biorhythm. And then once I'm up, I'm up and I'm really moving. So for me, if I got up and tried to do yoga, I would feel very dissatisfied because I would just, I wouldn't feel like I warmed up enough. Um, and what I tend to do personally is that, and, I'm, and, I, and I will say, caveat, I am really balanced. So I'm not waking up with any kind of real imbalances. But for me, getting in a hot shower and moving around is usually enough to feel like I'm ready for the day. And then maybe I'll do my yoga practice. But to get right out of bed and do the practice to kind of undo some stuff, for me, doesn't really work well. I do teach one early morning class a week. KB teaches more than I do. So it kind of forces me into it. And then I always feel amazing. I never regret that. So it's kind of like I listen to my biorhythms. And if I had to teach an early morning class every day, maybe I would feel even better. I don't know. (laughs)
1: How about you? (laughs) So see, I'm the person that's, you know, I'm up at 4.30 in the morning teaching my 5 a.m. class two days a week. Um, Honestly, the reset, thank God for the reset. Because... You no know, that really that that and even the reset into sun one that's my warm up. I could not go into a yoga practice that early in the morning. So I get up at 4:30 to teach at 5. I pop out of bed, go get dressed, you know, there's nothing happening. I'm sitting at the computer. I'm sending out my playlist, I'm looking at my flow. So my movement doesn't start until I get on that mat and start the reset. I do the same thing on my off days, where I'm have privates at five thirty in the morning, you know, because I'm still working privately with people on the East Coast. But it's the same thing. It tends to be we do some sort of either yoga and then, you know, there's the reset. So uh, I would not say certainly do not go into traditional yoga. Make sure you get a good reset. Um, I love how i feel after i'm done like you said my biorhythm is so set because i've been an early riser naturally my whole life but also um i just get up and go i've always liked to exercise in the morning but make sure you're getting that warm up in so kind of like she said should i warm up well that's your reset like to me that's the point of the reset is to get you ready for the yoga so make sure that you know if you're taking the early morning class, try not to show up after the reset's done. <laughs> you know, try to, unless you've been up and around, it's an eight o'clock class, you're getting it at 8.15. But, you know, that's six o'clock class. I don't have people joining late for, it's six o'clock for you, five o'clock for me. People don't join that late because it doesn't feel good. Mm-mm. You know, they, they they get up, they want that reset because they want to move. And can you just mention for, for anybody that's listening
0: who doesn't know what the reset is, can you briefly just say, Not necessarily everything we do,
1: but what the purpose is. Yeah. So the reset, it's about, for me, about 15 minutes that we do before class where we're basically getting the pelvis neutral, warming up the the glutes, like you just said in our last question, warming up the abdominals, warming up the shoulder girdle. So basically that core, like we talked about from shoulders to bottom of pelvis uh, and then the sun salutation one, I really feel is the, I do it before I run all the time. A sun one is such a great, it's getting a little more stretch involved where you're getting into that low lunge. So you warm up the body with the internal body temperature, and then the sun one is just ready to take you into that more soft tissue opening. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And
0: I, so I think to your answer is do it do it feels right for you but if you do want to get up and you are feeling kind of your body's feeling like it needs something do the reset and and notice how that feels and um, that will definitely help you be more connected and more warmed up and if you find that you're waking up every single day feeling really stiff I have a special product for you so we're going to take a break and I'll tell you all about it This promo is brought to you by Spry Therapeutics. A few years ago, I got a Spry pillow right before a trip. I brought it with me to use on the plane because it was so easy to pack and I loved it so much on board that I brought it into my bedroom to use every night. As a physical therapist, I really love how the Spry therapeutic pillow molds to my head, giving needed support to my weary neck. Spry Recovery is made with Flowform, a unique moldable technology that allows you to mold it into any shape without it returning to its original shape until you remold it. It's kind of like a soft putty that holds your head while you sleep or rest. The pillow can also be used in your yoga practice, offering extra support by contouring to your specific curves, promoting proper body alignment. You can do it in Shavasana or even meditation. Finally, the removable cover can easily be washed and the pillow itself can be wiped down with any household cleaner, just like your yoga mat. This cleaning ability is a safer option during COVID because it's easily sanitized. Use code LITFRIEND to get 20% off Spry products at sprytherapeutics.com. Now we're back. All right, on to the next question. him 86 suggestion to keep a neutral pelvis during hikes. After hours,
1: my shoulders get sore. So after hours of hiking is what he means. Yes. Well, I wonder, um, number one, is he backpacking? That would be my first question. I mean, uh, the setup of your backpack is a game changer for hiking if you're backpacking. But I think if you're just regular hiking, that would be, I would love to watch him hike. Wouldn't you just to kind of see what he's doing? I think hiking is so different than just walking in that you are using your hip flexors way more than you do walking or even running. Uh, for that, especially if you're ascending, when you're descending, you are again you're lengthening out of those hip flexors. So you kind of I would wonder with him, you know, where that asymmetry is. You know, asymmetry meaning what is the shoulder doing to make up for something somewhere else? Again, we're very adaptable, and our body is going to do something to make us as efficient as possible. But sometimes that's not ideal for a certain area. So it sounds like for him, it's his shoulders. Oh, I would love to watch him.
0: Yeah. I think, I think, the,
1: the yeah, there's two parts to that. Are you
0: wearing a backpack? Cause that definitely would be a huge contributor to shoulder issues because of how you align the straps, how you align the waist strap is huge. Having done a lot of uh, long distance hiking. I know that if, if it's just a half inch off, boy, what a difference it makes and you feeling it in your shoulders, or feeling it in your upper back, feeling it in your low back. So, um, really get your backpack fitted well. Hug it around your iliac crest. Those are the that's the pelvis, um, so that it's kind of sitting on that. Those are big bones. They're nice flat bones that you can hug around. Uh, uh, not around, but right above it. So it's really um, keeping your pelvis. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shelf for it, but it also kind of gives you, um, if you have it tight enough, a nice reminder of that neutral pelvis. So I would say if that's the case, it probably has to do with, uh, your, your pack. If you're not carrying anything, like Kristen said, you're, you're making up
1: with your shoulders in some way. Um, that lack of, if he's going hours, he's got to be carrying something, you know, whether, it's yes. your water bottle, it's your so I would look there, you know, even if you can get a better fitting day pack, something that does have better straps because one hundred percent is where you feel it if you're not set up well is in the shoulders, yeah, so you know even if if you're just doing a day hike, you know not all backpacks are created equal, and it, if you're out for hours, you're gonna need water, so um. I would say it's pack minimally, but always pack a
0: fluid, pack a snack, and then whatever else you think you might need. And, you know, I am, I'm not sponsored by them, but boy, I'm a huge fan of Osprey. I think we have Osprey backpacks in every single size from like super light day pack to the heavy duty, um, you know, when we're packing for like a month. So, uh, you know, it is worth the money you spend, especially if this is something you do a lot get a good pack. It makes a huge difference. And the great thing about Osprey and some other ones is, you know, you can, uh, if something goes wrong, you just write them. They're really reasonable about getting back, replacing parts and all that stuff. Speaking of the pelvis, Esther Marie Yoga, what's the difference between neutral pelvis and tucking pelvis? To me, to get neutral, I have to tuck a little. So I actually know Esther, we've been, we've been working a little bit offline because she has a lot of low back pain and she's young. So A, nobody should be having low back pain, surely you shouldn't sure have it when you're young. Um, she's been diagnosed as hypermobile. And this example, we talked about this last week of like, don't be your diagnosis. And I told her, I was like, you're not hypermobile. You're just not. Somebody told you that you just need to go. You need stronger core. You need a neutral pelvis. Now, for her, it, it does. To get neutral, she is going to feel like she's tucking under. We don't want a tucked pelvis. That is not, you know, having the, t- like, think of the little, your tailbone. You don't want it curling under. That's like the sign of, like, a dog that's, like, did something wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, we talk about lengthening it as, as a visual, as a, as a feeling downward but not under, that's a different, That's that requires that you posteriorly tilt at your pelvis and uh, no one really needs to be practicing that much. For somebody like Esther, who is living more in an anterior tilt, it is going to feel, to get to neutral, it will feel like you're tucking because you're so, you're that tailbone, you just look at angles, it's tipped up and back. To get it down, it's going to feel like you're really curling it under, um, but then you're going to have to find and Kristen and I were just talking about this, people will take it and then they get really rigid and they overdo it. You have to find the balance where you're positionally structuring, structurally putting yourself um, in neutral, but you're not like not allowing movement there and not overly tucking because then you're kind of locking into that lumbosacral area um, and that's not going to feel good either.
1: No, you're absolutely right. It's, um, it's that you it's for her, it's going to feel like a tuck in the short term. I think long-term once she, re, you know, remaps her brain and gets, and some soft tissue changes, she might be really tight in the low back fascia. Uh, she might be really tight in her hip flexors, even if she's, you know, super tilted forward. Um, so once she gets that, that, that shift, she probably won't feel that way in the short term it will, but yes, my Lord, I'll hallelujah to your point there do not swing the other way where you're so rigid. Like, don't forget people, movement is medicine. We need stability, but stability is stability through movement. They're they're combined and people will get so focused on the stability that they lose sight of the movement. And that's usually, again, it's a pendulum swing. They've, They've been So movement focused, then all of a sudden we introduce stability and they're like, oh my God, I haven't been doing this now. I just need to do this. And it's like the other way it is, it's finding that balance. And so I agree with you. Yes. For her, someone who is in that living an anterior tilt, it's going to feel that way, but it shouldn't be. We do not want to meet, be walking around with like, to your point, that posterior uh, pelvis, because then you're biasing your discs towards the, you know, back towards the nerves you are really set offsetting the the cylinder of the core. It's it's no longer a nice cylinder. Now it's like you took your pop can and you squeezed it, and you t- and that, it doesn't take much to collapse anymore. Right. You know we the facet, really and the up.
0: facet joints are not, you know not stacked, and so the facet joints are those uh, the areas of the vertebra that meet the above and below vertebra, and and they are they've really been come to show, especially since we were kind of in PT school, the importance of them for stability and for um, also um, buoyancy was was shock absorption. So if they're not in in a good alignment, you lose some of that shock absorption and that energy exchange. So yeah, it's, it's always that balance. So if you find that you've been an anterior tilter for a long time, Little by little by little, you start to move it into neutral and don't be aggressive about it. And then what I like to think of is you get in that postural position and then you hold through your like a balanced muscular action. So everything around the bowl of the pelvis has a hug, not a grip, not a just like lockdown, but it's a hug because that's what like think about when you're walking. You don't want to just sway your hips side to side, but you don't want to be like a robot. What you want to do is hold your center, everything really close to the skeleton, and then let a natural movement pattern occur. So you're not sloppy, but you're not like a little robot. You, you've got to find that natural rhythm. And, and I know for the hypermobile people, or you know if they've been, I don't even know if it's, there are hypermobile people for sure. I think there's a lot more people who are compensatory who have been compensating because of postural malalignments. And so those people are now discovering, oh, I need to I need to move a little bit differently and I need to hold differently to support that movement so that I'm not compensating in another way. And so like just work on that without being overly rigid. And I will one more thing I'll add for somebody like Esther who has been more an anterior tilt Look at the other things that have supported that anterior tilt. It's usually like locking back in your knees, the kind of ribs playing forward, and go into that just as much as you go into the pelvis because it's the whole chain, the kinematic chain needs to be kind of re, you know, just like retweaked. Fine-tuned, baby. All right, we got another question. This is from Yoga yogaliddy Tweet. We know her. F-A-I. Okay. That stands for ephemeral acetabular impingement. What's your experience with this injury? How important is it to look at foot function and the
1: pelvis, I guess, with the F-A-I? You want to start with that? Well, I mean, you know, we absolutely, the foot, I mean, everything from the ground up. Um, so F-A-I, uh, it's, we so you see it a fair amount. Um, you know, in a yoga population where people traditionally present with that anterior hip pain, it's an it's an impingement, just like in the yoga population, we get anterior shoulder impingement, we get anterior hip. These are ball and socket joints that are, the hip is a bit more stable than the, um, actually quite a bit more stable than the shoulder. So, uh, but we still will see tightness in the front, weakness in the back, just like the shoulder, which then causes that femur to kind of pinch up in many different areas. Sometimes FAI is caused from a bony um, issue, but a lot of times it, I think, is more of a structural movement issue. Uh, and that, that can absolutely start from the ground up. Um, am I going to look directly at someone's feet first Probably not. I'm going to look at their pelvis. I'm going to look at them standing. I'm going to look at them moving. And then if I see something dramatic at the foot, um, you know, that might be where I address it as well. But I would argue when you're dealing with something like FAI, uh, it tends to be more pelvis, pelvic alignment. I mean, that's what I've seen. It's that tilty pelvis. It's the snoozy glute. It's, it's a movement thing there that, um, you know, certainly can, ri- can translate down into the foot or up from the foot some, but I'm going to look pelvis first.
0: Yeah, I I am too. Cause of course it's being such a massive place of energy exchange. And because it is, like you said that it's, I mean, th- I've seen so many people with FAI runners, yoga people. And it, I mean, the one thing they all have in common is they have, t- they have, they're tilting in their pelvis they're, you know, shortened in their back extensors, not deep core muscles. And the feet, I mean, whether they came first or last, I don't know, but um, the feet will often improve when the pelvis does. So a lot of those people also get a little of that internal rotation in their femur um, and get, the, you know, the valgus knee. And then that goes down into more pronation in the in the. Um, In the foot, which pronation is good. We just don't want it excessively, and we don't want it because of a structural thing. So, usually, I I think, you know, like we're saying, if you really look at the pelvis and work from there, and of course, look at the rest of the spine and all that in in alignment, look at the knees, make sure they're not locking out the knees and like dropping them in when they're squatting, when they're doing all that. I, I think the feet will often take care of themselves. It's not like we would ignore them, but yeah, it's not, it has not historically been the first place that I go. Um, even if somebody was like, oh, my so-and-so says I have flat feet and this is the cause of that. I still am like, you know, the flat feet alone are not causing your anterior tilted pelvis. (laughs) So we can work on both, but I don't, that's, you know, that is not, that is not going to have, that's not going to improve. So uh, for people that don't know exactly the pelvis, imagine the bull, the pelvis is kind of like, you know, on top of these two femoral, uh, the balls of the femur and if you tilt that bowl you're closing off some of the space for the the ball the femur to move and that that anytime you close off space you're you're potentially setting up for impingement and so changing something the foot isn't going to change that first you really have to uh, get that in alignment the foot might help with it for sure but yeah i agree the pelvis is like like calls to you it just calls to you <laughs> Well, these were great questions as always. And it's always a pleasure to be with you, my dear friend. I love you. I love you too. So fun. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. And remember, you can always write us. You can um, check out KB. Make sure you follow her and write her um, on Instagram at KBWilliams99. You can write me at Laura at LitYoga.com or on Instagram at Laura.Hyman. We'd love to hear from you. Please rate and review. We'd love to hear what you have to say about these Q&As with us. Thank you so much. And we're pulling for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.